I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Tuesday, November 14th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Okay, so Jay, Oreo fans have been perturbed in recent years by what some feel could be one of the biggest inflation scandals to hit supermarkets. Double stuffed Oreos with just a normal amount of cream and even less in the original sized versions. So they're taking the original sized Oreos, they're just repackaging them as double stuffed. And Jay, how angry does that make you on a scale of one to 10? I feel like I've noticed this. It makes me angry, but not angry enough to like do something about it. What about you? I'm so naive, Jay. They, you give me the double stuff one, if it's like packaged properly, I intuitively, I just believe that they're double stuff. They may or may not be, but I believe that and they taste to me that way. So I'm angry I was misled, but you yeah. know, it's it's hard. It is. It's part of, I guess, shrinkflation or in this case, like it feels like they're hurting their brand by doing it as much as they are making more money, I guess. People do love Oreos. Well, that's right. And, and this is a good lesson for everyone, really, which is there are all bad deeds. They come to bear. Me too. I am off Oreos for the next several days, I guess. Brett, aside from this Oreo gate, what do we have for Peak Pals today? For our first story, what's wrong with the IPO market? For our second story, realtor fees in North America are under attack. And for our third story, Canadian tennis is on the come up. For our first story, Canada's IPO market is drier than a desert gulch at high noon. That sounds kind of awful, Brett. What's happening with the Canadian IPO market? So digital meeting tool company Q4 became the sixth Canadian tech company that went public between mid-2020 and late 2021 to delist from the TSX. Private equity firm Sumeru, I think I'm pronouncing that right, agreed to buy the company for $6.05 a share, which was 36% higher than its most recent closing price, but barely half of its $12 issue price. Of these 20 companies, most have seen their shares dip below the issue price. Of the six that have delisted, only Magnet Forensics exceeded its upon acquisition. To zoom out. <laughs> Going public has been an attractive as getting a root canal this year. Only one company, one, Lithium Royalty Corp, has completed a TSX listing and its shares are down about 35%. Unless a surprise LPO happens soon, that'll be the lowest total since 1993, aka before Brett was born. Uh, no, Jay, that's two years after I was born for those keeping track out there. Now, in the U.S., four potential blockbuster IPOs, Arm, Instacart, Clavio, and Birkenstock, were supposed to revive public listings last month. Instead, they all have underperformed with only Arm currently trading above its issue price. It's happening because like seemingly everything these days, interest rates and economic anxiety have tempered the IPO market, killing valuations and investor risk appetite. This all matters because IPOs can help pump fresh blood into Canada's main stock index, which has remained mostly stagnant in 2023 and currently down 0.89% from the same time last year. Earlier this month, a Shopify surge led to the index's best day of the year. While blue chip tech stocks with that kind of outsized impact are hard to come by under normal conditions, if literally no tech companies are listing, they'll be impossible to find. Almost impossible. It's a real double stuffed Oreo pick. For our second story, if it seems like everybody is becoming a realtor these days, it's easy to imagine why. North American real estate agents are raking in some of the highest commissions in the world. But Jay, I feel like this can't go on forever. 
doesn't seem like it can. But now a string of class action lawsuits has arrived to ruin the real estate party by cracking down on those sky high sales commissions. Average commissions in Toronto are now $62,000 that home buyers and sellers say are making homes even pricier. And Missouri, a real estate association and several brokers were ordered to pay $2.5 billion in damages after being found guilty of conspiring to inflate commissions. In Ontario, a similar class action alleging price fixing and anti-competitive behavior among several brokers was given the green light to proceed back in September. In Illinois, home buyers have also stepped up to file a class action over allegations that artificially inflated commissions are resulting in elevated home buying costs. And it matters because Canadian home sellers pay realtors between 4% and 5% for each sale. In Australia and the UK, total commissions are much lower at about 2%. In other parts of the world, fees are influenced by things like an agent's experience or of the desirability of a home. That feels more reasonable to me, Jay. Now, though it's possible to pay less in commission in Canada, a CBT investigation found some real estate agents illegally steer buyers away from low commission homes. Now, here's the bottom line. A successful verdict in Canada could upend decades-long practices that have allowed sale commissions to rise despite a massive oversupply of real estate agents. And for our third and final story today, after a year of unforced errors and double faults, I like this one, Canadian tennis is back on the come up. That's right, Jay. Here's what's driving the news. So Team Canada brought home its first ever Billie Jean King Cup title over the weekend. The squad can conquer the most prestigious team tournament in women's tennis on the back of 21-year-old phenom Layla Fernandez, who finished play undefeated. The stunning victory comes almost exactly a year after Canada won the Davis Cup, the men's equivalent of the Billie Jean King Cup. And it matters because before the Cup, it had been a rough year for Canadian tennis. No Canuck made it to the semifinals of any of the four Grand Slams, while stars like Denis Shapovalov, Felix Auger, Aliasime, and 2019 U.S. Open winner Bianca Andreescu all dealt with injuries. But now Canada's tennis program has proved yet again why it's amongst the world's best. Per Tennis Canada's most recent stats, over 6.5 million Canadians play the sport annually. The body is continuing to try and grow the game throughout the country with a plan to fund 160 year-round courts necessary for Canadian winters by 2029. Much like Canada's newfound success in men's soccer and burgeoning interest in cricket, tennis's rise has been fueled by taking on newcomers, Fernandez, Shapovalov, Auger Alisim, and Andrescu, sorry about that, are all the children of tennis-loving immigrants. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readpeak.com. Have a great day, Peak Pals. And if you do have Oreos, let us know how you like them.